Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. Prepare to be transformed by God's undiluted word. As a young boy, I, I had all kinds of things that were my dreams, things I wanted to do. When I, when, I, when I was going into university to study mechanical engineering, I was a bright mind, bright mind. And I, I, I said to myself, I'm going to build the first 100% Nigerian-made car. And I meant it. And that, 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 I wanted to do that. But as, as I began to grow in God, I couldn't find the space to fit that in the script anymore. It was my real drive. I wanted to be a politician as well. My father was a politician. I saw politics. I sat down. Many times when they had political meetings in our living room, I'll sit behind and I'll listen. My dad let me sit down there. I'll listen. I saw things. I saw one day when there was a man who was, the man was born again. He was actually a pastor. And he wanted to contest for something. And he wanted to give bribe to some people. It was a pastor, actually. It was actually an apostle or something like that. It was a pastor. I had a church. He was a pastor of a church. But he wanted to contest for something. And he wanted to give some bribe to some people. So they brought, he brought that big bag of money, brought it to our living room in my house when I was a young boy. And the man stood up. I was saved by that stage. I was watching. And the man stood up and he laid his hands on the bribe and spoke in tongues. <laughs> and sent it out. <laughs> I was a young man I mean maybe 15, 16 or something like that but I knew Jesus and I, I, and I knew my heart that that doesn't feel right <laughs> so at some point so in my mind I, I, those were things that I had I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to be this engineer I'm going to start this factory I'm going to build the Nigerian car I'm going to be a politician <laughs> but then you begin to look at the script and you find okay where do I fit this all into the script and many of us in our lives, as we grow, you will find that some of these things don't fit in the script. And then the question will be, will you be able to make the jump to not my will, but your will be done? <laughs> so surrender your heart, surrender fleshly desires, surrender ambitions, and number four, surrender material wealth. Many Giving is a seriously difficult thing for many people. Many people. Difficult. You know, people blame pastors and say, why should they be always talking about giving? If I say it one time and you hear it one time, I don't have to say it a second time. <laughs> but the problem is, giving is one of those areas where people really struggle. And have you ever thought and asked yourself, let's go read that scripture in Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Verse 5, verse 6. Let's, let's put it up and read it. Have you ever asked yourself, what does it mean when he says this person is sowing in tears? Psalm 125, verse, sorry, Psalm 126 rather, 126 from verse 5. He says, they that sow in tears shall do what? What does it mean to sow in tears? It means this man came to a point where his will and the will of God, there was no congruence between them. And God is saying, I want you to sow this seed. And by the time the man surrenders to go and sow it, he's, he's crying. Look at verse 6. If you don't agree with me, look at verse 6. The Bible says, he that goes forth is going to go and sow that seed. He's going and he's doing what? He's weeping. He's weeping and he's bearing in his hand precious seed. 
And he has come to the point where he can separate himself from that seed. He has come to the point of not my will, but your will be done. <laughs> if, you, if you read and put yourself in this scripture, this is not easy. He says the man is crying and he's bringing a precious seed. But the Bible says it will doubtless come again, bearing his harvest with him. But for sure, when he brought the seed, it was not easy. That's what David meant when he said, I will not offer my God a sacrifice that cost me nothing. What he meant by it will cost me is at the point where I plant that seed, ah, it shakes me. I know I felt it. I'm surrendering. Listen to me. If you say you are surrendered to God, and you say, God, really, my life is surrendered to you, only I will not let you know my account number. <laughs> I trust you with everything else. I don't trust. You know, one thing that I'm certain about today is this. There is no amount of money that God will be afraid to put in my hands because God knows that if he wants it all back, I'll give it to him. And I say that to you with a deep sense of commitment. God knows that if he, he just needs to call for it, I'll give it to him. I may be crying doing it, but I'll give it to him. If you're not a giver, my friends, you're not submitted. It's one of the, as we finish this year, we used to do this in church. We somehow stopped doing it. At the end of every year, some of you will remember, we used to give everybody a letter that you got from church. And in that letter, we will write to you and say, thank you for your commitment and your whatever, whatever throughout this year. And in the course of this year, this is how much you have paid in tithe from January to December, I'll give you. And many people used to say in those days, they couldn't even believe, two ways. Some said, I didn't know that I had earned that much because I always paid 10%. So if you say I've paid this much tithe, it means times 10 is how much I've earned this year. Somebody else will say, no, I think I gave more than this. You for where? <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually a reflection of the relationship. So it's not so much about how much, it's about what percentage of what you put in your hands ended up back with him. If you say you love God, you trust God, you surrender to God, but that area is not part of it, you are not surrendered. That's what I'm talking about. Surrendering, my friends, we said, and you can begin to touch different, different areas, whatever God is touching. But my hope as I finish this series this morning is that God himself will begin to touch different things in all of our lives. <coughs> Excuse me. That he himself will begin to, um, things that I can't even make mention of, I can't think about as an example, that he himself will begin to say, in your own life, that is the, that is the red light area in your own life. That's the place where the light is not green in your life. And as I'm speaking right now, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit himself will begin to point things out to as many of us as possible in the name of Jesus. Amen. And the truth about that is this, that um, everybody that opens their hearts, there's something they can point out to you. Everybody. And I, and, I, and I pray that you will just surrender to him. To surrender, I said, is the hallmark of a good relationship with God. You said that over and over. He doesn't want to take anything from us. He wants to receive what we gladly surrender. What are the rewards? As I begin to go towards the end of this, what are the rewards of, of being a surrendered person? Number one, I'll deal with two quickly, then I'll summarize it all. Number one, a surrendered person is one who is consciously and unconsciously making the right decisions. 
one of the rewards of a surrendered person is you will just find that you are usually making the right decisions, consciously and unconsciously. <laughs> and the reason for that is, is this. The surrendered person is usually, generally, in an amenable state. His state is, is not fixed. It's not like dried fish. His state is, is flexible already. So without, even, without him even knowing it, God is directing him. Sometimes, not even, you know, sometimes you come to a point where there's a decision and you're trying to make it. Many times, major decisions of life are made unknown. They are made without you really thinking about them, just floating through life. You're making the right decisions because you are amenable. The Holy Spirit is amending your life as we're going. So you think about somebody like Paul the Apostle. I'll give you a couple of examples of people who consciously and unconsciously just walked into the right decisions of their lives. So Paul was this guy that taught us about the Holy Spirit and he's been following the Holy Spirit and he wants to go and preach. And you notice... It's in Acts chapter 16. The Bible says, first of all, he wanted to go to a place and the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there. He wanted to go to another place. The Holy Spirit says, don't go there. And then one evening he had a dream and he saw somebody in his dream that says, come over to Macedonia. And then he took it. The Bible says they were assuredly gathered. Acts 16 verse 10. They just, it's not as if God spoke to him directly. He just said, we just gathered that it must be that God is leading us there. People that are very well surrendered generally end up in right decisions in their lives. <laughs> Think of another example right now. Think about Joseph, the father of, I was going to call him the father of Jesus, but the husband of the mother of Jesus. <laughs> Have we at any time thought about what it took for Joseph to accept Mary? Have you thought about it? <laughs> I, let, let's, okay, all the women are not here right now. Let's, let me talk to men in this house. You're engaged to be married. Pastor said no sex before marriage, and you kept yourself to that. And then three months before marriage, she comes and says, I'm pregnant. Uh-huh. From who? The Holy Ghost. <laughs> You know what? Joseph was a really noble guy. What the Bible says Joseph decided to do, of course she's gone out somewhere. So what Joseph decided to do was to very quietly put her away. Very quietly. I mean, that was a really noble guy. But then the Holy Ghost impressed upon him and let him know that which is in her is of the Holy Ghost. You know, it takes a really surrendered man to accept that. So that's the state that Joseph was in. And he took Mary all through these nine months. And she's carrying this holy thing, taking all over the place. Now they say, go and, go, and, um, go and do a census somewhere. And they carry themselves and they're going. So that man is already in a state that is important. By the time the life of Jesus was now in danger, and God was leading them, and go to Egypt, and don't go to Egypt. Okay, stay in Egypt. Come back. Don't come back. That man was already in a surrendered state such that he was the right person to know the right place to go to save the life of Jesus. Go back and read in Mark, Mark, Matthew chapter 2, and you see how he was being led. And you go there, you come back, and then there came a point where the Holy Ghost said to them, the man that wanted to kill Jesus back in Nazareth is dead. And so he took Jesus, and he came. And when he got there, he found that um, the man is dead, but there are still some other troubles. But he's in a surrendered state, naturally, unnaturally, consciously, unconsciously, he makes the right decision. 
I have this story, and I think this will help me to make this point very clearly, where I'm saying that one of the rewards of being in a surrender state is to just find yourself making right decisions. Is um, It was Andrew, Andrew Womack, some of you, most of you would know him, one of those very good teachers of God's word that I enjoy. He was saying, making an illustration one day, and he said, they had a little son, and they lived on a kind of farmhouse. And they had a little son, and that boy had been used to when they said anything to him, he just obeyed. If they say stop, he just stopped. Was not saying why should I stop and all of these kind of things. It just if they called him, he was just like that. One evening they were back out on the garden or something, and there was a car that was coming past. That kind of area is not a place where anybody is speeding or anything. But this crazy guy was just coming full speed, and that boy was running to cross the road. And you, you know why you stand back and you can see calamity. You can see that car is coming, nothing is stopping it. That boy is running, nothing is stopping it. They're going to meet right there. You can see there's nothing you can do. And all he did was just shouted the boy's name. And he shouted, called his name and said, stop. And because that boy had always been used to obeying instantly, the boy screeched and stopped and the car went past. If it was the kind of boy that would say, hey, let me get to the other side and I wonder why he was calling me. You will find out in heaven. Many of our lives, uh, it looks like that picture where there will be things you will consciously and unconsciously just walk away from danger because you are in the habit of listening. That's what I'm talking about here. Some of the rewards of a surrendered life. Number two, final reward of a surrendered life is when you're a surrendered person, you are easier to bless, even for God. You are easier to bless. Let's read three scriptures quickly to make that point. <clears throat> I'll find out three scriptures this morning. When you're a surrendered person, you are easier to, get to bless for people, but even for God. Luke 22, we read last week, verse 43. Remember 41, 42 is where Jesus was making the argument and all that. In 42, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Verse 43, Luke 22, 43. What happened there? There appeared an angel unto him from heaven, and the angel did what for him? Talk to me, people. The angel did what for him? Strengthening him. It was easier. I said this last week as well. It was a lot easier when he had made the jump to not my will, but your will, for the angel of God to come and strengthen him. And strengthen him. Many times when, and this happens with our children as well, and I think it happens between husband and wife as well many times, that when there is, sometimes you want to do something, but you don't do it for that person because you say, I don't want to reward bad behavior. How many parents have ever been there? Okay, not many of you. I have been there. I don't want, uh, this is something I would have loved to do, but because right now there is bad behavior, I don't want to do this and get it interpreted as rewarding bad behavior. <laughs> John chapter 12, verse 24. John 12, 24. Jesus was speaking here. Look at this one. It will really teach you this. It's you are easier to bless, even for God, if you're a surrendered person. John chapter 12, verse 24. It says, verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat 
will fall into the ground and die. Remember our scripture where it says you deny yourself, you carry your cross. Or except the corn of wood will fall into the ground and die, it will abide alone, meaning it will not grow. But if it die, my friends, it brings forth much fruit. No wonder many Christian lives are not fruitful because they are too alive. Look at that scripture, only to remember it. He says, if that seed will fall to the ground and die, then it will bring forth much fruit. There can be a lot more fruitfulness in your life in a surrendered place. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Jesus said, blessed, blessed, oh, blessed are the meek. The meek are the surrendered ones. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Something happens to them before we even go to heaven. Blessed are the meek, because they shall inherit the earth. Let me summarize all of what I've been saying in this way. Because I think you people are going to sleep now. Revival, my friends, will flow quicker when the church is full of surrendered people. That's the reason, really, why we're doing this. The end time revival, revival of prayer, revival of healing, a revival of the salvation of souls will have a quicker, bigger flow of revival when the church is full of surrendered people. Let me say this in closing as well. If we keep on sending out self-centered people, we're in the danger. I'm talking about the church generally now. We're in the danger of self-destruction. If the church, we keep on sending out Every one of us were sent out to this world. Leaders, workers, pastors, all of those kind of things. If we keep on sending out self-centered people, we're in the danger of self-destruction. And if you've listened to me in these last three weeks, and this has meant anything to you, I'll say to you in closing that God wants to bring you in so that he can send you out. If he does not succeed to bring you in, he really can never send you out. We're going to sing, I'm going to ask us to rise. I will just sing that song over and over until it becomes a, a real prayer of every heart this morning. You can have my heart, O oh God. You can have my heart, O oh God. Let's rise on our feet, please. You can have my heart, O oh God. Just play on the keyboard. We're getting ready to sing. We're not singing yet. Get ourselves ready to sing. I want everybody to just have a moment <clears throat> so that when we start singing, your words are true. You can have my heart to God.
You can have my heart to God. Please close your eyes and look at him alone this morning and just say, Lord. When I gave my life to Jesus, it's when I came to take salvation from you. At this moment, it's where I bring back my life. I bring something back to give. The words of that song says, we're not looking for, you're not actually looking for perfection. That's exactly where I am right now. You just want me to surrender myself, surrender my heart. And not be the captain of my soul, myself. Let's go. Thank you for listening to this message. Please hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. For questions, please send an email to Pastor Mo at thestonechurchberlin.com. God bless you.